the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Leibson, and if it's Wednesday, we check in with our congressman, David Schweikert, who represents uh, our district here and is running for re-election as well. David, days like today are days I need to hear from you, especially on the economy. Our audience does, too, and I have some questions for you on that. But first, give us an update on the newest addition to your family, your new baby. Oh, yes. And I will warn you, you disappeared there for about 15 seconds. Yeah, I, um, we're working through it. I Thank you for bearing with it's, us. It's yeah. okay. And yeah. also, if there's some other weird noises, I'm in one of those 1920s phone booths behind the floor of the house right now because we have a vote series about to start. Okay. <laughs> I, thought right. I, was, I thought I, well, the, the hallways, the tunnels echoed so much, I thought I should get in, but it's almost as bad. Um. Yeah, as you and I talked last week, dear Lord has a sense of humor, um, and now my wife thinks I have a sense of humor because I'm in D.C. and she is home with a 17-year-old little boy. Yes. Or 17-day-old yeah. little boy. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Keep sending and posting pictures. It's just so, gosh, it's a, it's such a miraculous oh, story. I just love the story. You know, totally love it. But look, and for a moment of dead seriousness, um, for those of us who grew up in the light movement, um, of course this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a chance for my little girl to have her sibling, any sibling. Um, it, it, it's something I never thought Joyce and I would ever have, which was another child. Um, uh, but it's also just the right thing to do. And, um, you know, we pray for health, we, we, we pray for um, good things, and we work as hard as we can to do what's right. David, as long as we are talking about that for just half a moment, if, if, if we can, and before we get to the economy, um, I, I've been watching some of the hearings over at the House Oversight Committee on this issue having to do with life and abortion. I mean, you could not have two different views, worldviews, could you than what you saw from one uh, Miss Lopez who was testifying earlier this week? She she said to the committee, "quote My abortion was the best decision I ever made. It was an act of self love. My gosh, they, they they just don't even hide it and conceal it anymore. The solid system." Like, think about what she just said. Yeah, you you have a number of these folks that life means nothing. Right. Self means everything. Yep. It's about self, it's about self, it's about self. And you wonder why they hate the country because they only care about themselves. Yep. They hate their neighbors because they only care about themselves. They hate that baby because it symbolizes um, a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and look, uh, I'm not being melodramatic, but you know, I'm holding this little underweight baby that you know we're worried about, and you're holding and realizing. Just a couple days earlier, you know, when this child was in the womb, half this body, the, the majority of these Democrats, all these Democrats, 
would have been willing to have that baby die. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it was it had not passed through the birth canal. And, 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 and you got it, and it's harsh, and it's mean, but it's true. And you need to embrace how sick society is, but how sick the Democrat Party has become. You know, you're right about that. I was just, I had a, I think, another guest in the studio the other day, probably a mutual friend. But in any event, we were talking about this, and I showed him something that was seared into my memory. I think it was before you were in Congress, not sure. It was circa 1999-2000. It was a debate between then-Senator Rick Santorum and then-Senator Barbara Boxer on this very point. You know the debate. You can get it on YouTube. And exactly what you said is exactly what Rick drew out of uh, Senator Boxer. He went through several stages of development, including the birth of the child with everything but the toe. And, yeah, they're they're willing to abort up until and even past that time. I mean, Barack Obama, when he was a state legislator right in Illinois, was opposed to protecting born alive infants who were destined for abortion. It really is a gruesome practice backed by a gruesome party. But it's. it's more than that. It's also the, the infrastructure. Um, just as we as Republicans have certain things, we expect you to respect the originalism of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. We expect you to have all these sorts of things. These are benchmarks of being a conservative. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out the willingness to take the life of that unborn baby yep. is, is a test. You do not qualify as a Democrat. You do not qualify for contributions. You do not qualify for support unless you actually take the radicalized position. Mm-hmm. And, and, and where it's really important because so much of our news media is part of the very radical left, um, it, it, we have to explain that people who love and, and embrace life, okay, explain to me um, at what stage is this barbaric and you start to realize um, maybe maybe the, the, the population isn't with us on a conception, but they're pretty much with us at heartbeat. Yep. They're, they're absolutely with us at viability. Yep. And, and, and part of that movement has happened over a couple of decades of, oddly enough, technology. Mm-hmm. When you can actually see the video of the 3D color ultrasound of the baby sucking its thumb and these things, you start to realize this isn't just uh, this, this is a little person. So, all right, well, now let's go on to economics. Well, hold on a second. I'm going to keep you, a, can I keep you a second segment for economics? Absolutely. Because I wanted to say one more part about this, if I could, which is you, you made an important point. Because you will hear from the Democrats in Washington, I hear it every time Nancy Pelosi gives a speech on this, that the majority of Americans support our position on abortion. They don't. It's nowhere close because Nancy Pelosi's position, Elizabeth Warren's position, they embrace partial birth abortion. There has never been majority sentiment in favor of that. I don't think it's ever proved. I don't think it's ever been opposed by less than 60 percent of the country. I think people need to remember that. Right. It's much more. It's much more than that. And you need to back even further back. But what's important is still we have to be careful on our use of language. We have to be the, the individuals who you know, um, express love. And I know sometimes that's hard. You know, look, I'm a fairly tough guy when it comes to politics. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a nice human being, but politics is a brutal sport, and yep. you've got to toughen up. Yep. And 
Um, but when it comes to the fact that I'm adopted, my siblings are adopted, my children are adopted, um, I, I love and care and appreciate the birth mother. Um, uh, one of the greatest relationships I've ever had was with my birth mother. You tell those stories, not to tell the stories, but also to express that a culture of life is a healthy society. Yep. Yep. And, and ultimately, our society has become so dark and, and, and so sort of dystopian. And I know that's a big word. And I actually believe through us having a respect and love for life, we can sort of back this to something that's actually rational, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that caring, that actually has a future. Well, when this Sarah Lopez testified, as she did a couple of days ago, that her abortion was the best decision she ever made in an act of self-love, David, you, you talk about the dark. Yeah, you betcha. This, 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 this is Leben Suertis Leben. The old Nazi thought of life is uh, certain lives are unworthy of living. Uh, and it's a selfishness and a, um, it's, it's a selfishness married to a cruelty that I'm going to guess in about a decade, maybe less because of what you're saying about the ability of technology. Yeah, maybe less. We're going to look back and say, what the hell were we doing? I bet. Yeah, Seth, uh, and I lost you there for about 15 seconds. It's okay. I'm going to ask you, and I know this is hard, you never make those references. I make them all the time, David, and I have no problem no, making okay. them, especially given no, the no, history no, no, of my no, family. No, no, I'm going to no, make no, them no, all day long. No, 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 no. It, 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 it's more so from the standpoint of it, we're almost in the next phase. Um, we've won, in many ways, one of the great battles. Now we need to, to, to own the peace. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just think it's important to illustrate the historical precedents this relies on and where they're coming from. And I don't want people to ever forget. We used to say never again. It's one of the great laws of the 20th century because we're doing it now. Yeah, that's fair. Thank you. Let me keep you one more segment because I do want to get to you on this inflation story as well as what you're doing about it with regard to what they're doing with the Department of Defense budget. Oh, my gosh. Six billion extra bucks. Unbelievable. I'm glad you're there to help stop it. I'm Seth Leibson. He's David Schweikert. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. David Schweikert is our guest, as he is every Wednesday. David, if I could, I wanted to turn to the inflation numbers today. Some of us thought maybe oh, yeah. we would see a reduction, perhaps. Instead, no, no we went up. That. No one was no, no one was paying attention to the baseline data. Thought it was going to go down. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about and and it's led by energy, isn't it? The the CPI problem is led by energy costs, isn't it? Actually, it's worse than that because what's happened is if you look at some of the numbers in today's um, inflation data, it's becoming structural. Um, now, energy is part of everything. It's part of the, the the milk carton. It's part of the delivery of the milk. It's part of the power to keep the milk cold. So, energy. It is in all sorts of things, but too many politicians and and lazy economists talk about the gas price. But um, the energy complex is in everything, and now we're actually seeing a structural inflation where wage and price spiral. Pay, you know, you're having to pay people more because the price things have gone up. And guess which community 
had the highest inflation in the continental United States. I think we win right here, don't we? We win. Yeah, we won. Yeah. Um, urban urban Alaska, who would have ever thought they're their own subcategory, did beat us, but they're not in the continental United States. And if you use the, there's um, CPIW, which is a slightly different basket right. for people who may be older or retired. And when we think basket, um, you know, when you're 60, you're typically not paying, you know, school tuition or kids clothes. So they make some adjustments. That inflation was 13.1 in the Phoenix market, where the rest of it was only 12.1 in the Phoenix market. <laughs> so you got to think about this. If you work for an entire year, a month and a half of your labor just disappeared. Yeah, that's One right. One month, that's right. two weeks. That's right. That's right. Of your labor disappeared because of inflation. You are that much poor. How many of you feel like you just got a six-week paid vacation because the Biden administration just charged you that much? That's what inflation is costing you. One of the interesting things about this, you know, David, uh, you, you, you're probably the smartest person in Congress on all of this. And, and, and I thank you for doing this hard yeoman's work on the issue. But a lot of public policy practitioners and elected officials will say, you know, inflation is really the Fed's problem. It's a hard thing. We have to wait it out. It's a time thing. <clears throat> but when you look at the energy sector's role in this, that literally is an area we can enact and engage public policy on and do something about, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and the fraud that is the Democrats' energy policy, you know, you're not paying for it. If you voted for the Democrats, in many ways, you're getting exactly what you voted for. Uh, I, I, that may sound cruel, but it's absolutely true. Um, it, starting after the 2018 election, when the Democrats took over Congress, remember, Democrats have had the Congress since the end of the 2018 election. Right. They started pushing pieces of legislation that would make a risk premium. So if you're a bank, uh, an investment firm, a partnership, and you go out and invest in an oil field or provide the equipment or the pipeline or you provide leases or this and that, you are now at risk of types of audits, of having to file additional disclosures if you're a publicly traded company. Mm -hmm. So you've got to understand it's about the capital stack. It's not about a pipeline permit. It's not about new energy leases. They make a difference. But we have energy fields that got shut down during the pandemic that have never reopened yeah. because they can't get a loan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talk, you said, you know, when you vote for the Democrats, you're getting what you what you voted for. Talk talk to me about the six billion dollar nonsense at the Department of Defense oh. that your colleagues are trying to push through. Look, look, that's just one of dozens of amendments we're working on. We're right now doing the National Defense Authorization Bill. Mm -hmm. And the reason the Democrats pack in so much horrible stuff into this bill. This is sort of one of the must-pass bills. Um, and, and they've been trying to slip in additional dollars in places you don't want it, and then they're calling it inflation adjustment. Oh, that's an inflation adjustment. And uh, I'm going around, I'm doing my best to strip out as much of this sort of stuff as I possibly can. Now, a lot of our amendments are getting ruled out of order. Democrats when they weigh the House, it's a majoritarian body. So we'll offer hundreds and hundreds of amendments, and they'll rule them all out of order and not let a Republican have a single amendment. 
on the floor. And that's some of what's going on right now tonight um, here on the floor of the House. But you've got to understand, they have social training. There's, you know, um, are, are you a racist and you're a Navy SEAL? You need to go through indoctrination right. training. Right. There are things in this legislation that are absolutely appalling. I love and care for the military. But if you love and care for the military, I do not know how you vote for this National Defense Authorization Bill. The piece I was looking at from Fox Business is what to me is public policy malpractice, pure and simple. One representative, Jared Golden out of Maine, is trying to spend six billion bucks to help curb inflation costs. How does that parse? How does that scan? Well, he's just trying to. He's just porking up the budget. Yeah. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. There's a number of us who are trying to roll those. The, the, the additional dollars out of a number of, of this legislation. And, and you can't understand the scale of this. This is a trillion-dollar piece of legislation with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of amendments. And um, we'll be here till midnight tonight on the floor of the House debating these, and we'll be doing the same thing tomorrow. And it, what's happened is the Democrats are weaving in things that have nothing to do with the military. They have nothing to do with lethality, our ability to kill the bad guys and break their stuff, or the, the taking care of our veterans. They now pack things into this legislation that are, are social, um, sort of, sort of social, dystopian social management because it's the military. They're trying to turn the military into just another um, Change America operation. Sadly, it seems like some in the leadership of the military are more than welcoming of this social uh, experiment with them. Well, you've got to say, when there's a Democrat president, you end up with generals, and generals are politicians. Yep, yep, yep. You know, when you get to that rank, you're a politician. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I, listen, David, I can't thank you enough for staying on it and focusing on it and keeping your eye on the ball. I tell people all the time when uh, when they talk to me about, you know, listening to you on this show and seeing you in uh, C-SPAN and elsewhere, you know, there just aren't that many congressmen who are doing the hard work on this one hugely important issue called the economy, which I remind people means household in the original Greek. So, David, yeah, God bless you all. And I love the idea that you now say your children. That's really neat. I just think that's a beautiful, touching, moving thing. Oh, it is. That's, I just realized it's the first time I've ever said that. I was going to ask if it maybe was. That yeah. The yeah. First time I've ever, I'm still processing this because this came out of nowhere. All right. Well, listen, um, it's our honor and this show's honor that this was the first time you got to say children. Bless you, David. Godspeed. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Seth Liebson's show. It is a delight to welcome back to the show Vera Gibran. She is a candidate for Legislative District 4 in our State House of Representatives. Vera, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm very well, Seth. I'm delighted to hear your voice. Thank oh, well, you thank you. Me. You betcha. It's a delight to hear yours. Uh, we had uh, your sister uh, Maria on yesterday. You guys are running Nancy uh, Bartow, Maria Sims, and you for LD4. And you just picked up another great endorsement, didn't you, yesterday? I think it was. I did. I did. It was a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be associated and recognized uh, by the free enterprise people. And uh, I'm just deeply flattered by their confidence. 
It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Look, there's a lot there I want to talk to you about, um, and some of it is uh, implicating uh, you know, foreign policy and international issues. But let's start locally and uh, work centrifugally, if I'm saying that word right, centrifugally. Um, we'll work outward from there. First here, I was talking with Maria Sims yesterday about what's going on in our schools Particularly, you see this in Scottsdale, Peoria, but really no place in Arizona is safe from it. And you, uh, you, you have been on the campaign trail talking about no grooming legislation. Can you talk to the audience a little bit about what you're talking about? Yes, I, I would love that opportunity. Uh, so one of the uh, bills that I would like to introduce is an anti-grooming bill that will disallow uh, – educators from exposing children to any sort of sexual content, zero exposure uh, of on sexual topics. The teachers will not be allowed to uh, discuss their personal orientation or their preferences with the children, as we have seen uh, happening in, in, in our state and in other states. Uh, the, the no sexual content will make its way into our curriculum uh, via word problems or math equations, and um, there'll be absolutely no personal stories will be allowed uh, from the educator to the child. Now, of course, the only time that um, sexuality will be uh, allowed or uh, sorry, discussion on sexuality will be allowed is for biological reasons, for the study of science and for children who are going through puberty to understand the alterations that their bodies are going through. And, you know, Seth, when we were kids and and we had um, that education, our parents were allowed to come to the classroom and sit with us. And and I will be championing uh, that idea is having parents participate in in this biological study now having said that um, we we know that uh, our current times allow or demand a lot of compassion and as leaders we have to be strong and and compassionate and those students who are confused or suffering from you know the the gender identity and or transgenderism and and though it, it really is allocated to only 0.06 of 1% of our population, it does happen. Or those children who may be homosexual and are struggling with that, I am proposing that classes be uh, taught to the parents so that the, the parents are given the tools uh, to address this matter privately and according to they to the way that they see fit and is best for their families and in private. We're talking to Vera Gibran, candidate for legislative district four here in Arizona, uh, race for the state house of representatives. Her website votevera.com, v-o-t-e-v-e-r-a.com. Vera, that's kind of an interesting thing you're putting your finger on, and it's a good way to think about this because when you are talking about this very small subset of a subset of the population. 
it's an odd thing when you think of everything that goes into the problems and issues this population faces. It's a very odd thing when you think of all the specific narrow things involved that we're going to treat it with the blunderbuss of a kindergartner teacher and a kindergarten teacher in a public school or a first grader, second grader, third grade teacher in a public school. This is really an issue for parents and child. This is not an it between parent and child. It is not an issue between teacher and child. It, it absolutely is not. And there has been a concentrated effort to create fissures within the family unit, between the parent and the child. And this uh, lack of inclusion, the, the parents being disallowed yeah. to come to the classroom randomly to observe their child or to have lunch with them, that has to stop. Let me, let me they, pause you right there. Let, let me pause you right there because I'm going to a commercial break. That's such a big and important point. Let me keep you another segment if I can, and we'll pick up on that point on the other side of this break. We are talking with Vera Gibran. She is a candidate for the State House of Representatives here in Arizona, right here in Legislative District 4, where we broadcast, where I live. And um, if you are interested in uh, helping her out or learning more, check her website out at votevera.com, V-O-T-E-V-E-R-A.com. I'm Seth. She's Vera. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Vera Gibran is our guest. She is a candidate for LD4, running for our state House of Representatives here in Arizona. VoteVera.com is her website. Vera, before we do a little uh, a little international stuff, I wanted to close out this thought with you on uh, your 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 proposed legislation on protecting our children and our parents and families uh, from uh, from uh, educational reactionaryism and uh, transgender ideation in the classroom. You are making the point about how parents are sometimes left out of this discussion or not even considered. I don't know if you've seen this article by Leo Lior Sapir in the City Journal, The Assault on Our Children's Psyches. If not, I'll send it to you. But he's documenting lots of cases across the country where teachers are actively not just keeping parents out of the equation, but actively lying to the parents with the kids. Kids are coming home with alternative names that the parents discover by accident. Kids are coming home with something that binds their breasts and chests. It's really incredible the lengths that some of these uh, public education um, malfeasors are engaging in. And I don't think people have a clue that this is going on, but it is. This is tremendously uh disturbing, uh, upsetting, and an absolute assault on our wholesome American values. Mm -hmm. This is not what the typical American family uh, dreams about when they are envisioning what their family life is going to be like. This is all part of a larger agenda by those who want to undermine the power and dignity of the United States of America. This is this is uh, an unapologetic and blatant assault on everything we value. And I know that I, I'm certainly committed, as is my running mate, uh, Maria Sims and and uh, Nancy Bartow. We are we are absolutely unequivocally and unapologetically committed 
to the preservation and reinstatement of traditional family values that help uh, propel and prop up our children and prepare them for uh, a healthy and productive future. That's beautiful. That's why we call you LD4 Strong, Nancy Marie, and you. You could save this state. You might save this country, too. Speaking of this country, we're, we're, we're stepping abroad. We're stepping into an area and a region of the world you know very well. Joe Biden's in the Middle East right now. Your thoughts, Fiara? Oh, my goodness. There is so much to say, uh, Seth. I, I will start by saying that uh, Joe Biden is completely uh, compromised in the eyes of the Middle Easterners. He, he, in their eyes, and I'm, and I'm speaking at, as a Middle Easterner, as somebody who's very learned in our customs and in what we value, I can tell you that they do not perceive him as a person of dignity and that he is absolutely not respected, let alone taken seriously, when he doesn't have control over his own family. Now, he, he's not a successful patriarch. Uh, of his own family, let alone uh, the United <laughs> States. <laughs> under the Biden, in, uh, under Biden, the nobility and integrity of the United States has absolutely been compromised. You know, and and I, if I may, I'd like to take just a moment to give um, my fellow citizens just a little bit of background sure. on why I say that. Sure. So. In Middle Eastern families, each member uh, is beholden to the overall reputation of the family. Mm-hmm. And so much so that each child, uh, you know, in, in America, we have uh, middle names, completely autonomous middle names. They might be legacy names. They might not. Mm-hmm. But in peace, it's traditional for each child's middle name to be Ibn or Bint the son of or the daughter of so-and-so sure. because you are beholden to your family and your father's beholden to you. You don't, in the Middle East, you don't get to enjoy autonomy the way you do in the United States. Right. So the behaviors of Ashley Biden and what she wrote in her diary and Hunter Biden and his laptop, they have completely, completely disgraced their family. And each each of them is responsible for, for, for their family. So their behaviors reflect on the mother and the father, which clearly indicate that, though, that they are not a, um, a well-formed family, certainly not fit to be leaders. Leaders in, in, in the Middle East are absolutely laughing at Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. They compromised by China. And he is not approaching the talks from a position of, of strength and, and, and respect. You know, in the Middle East, respect, dignity, honor, it's everything. And I would pay attention or I would encourage your listeners, pay attention to the way that they receive Joe Biden. I'm sure that, that you recall the pageantry and, and love with which President Trump was received when he visited the Middle East. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it was so clear they wanted to impress him. They they uh, wanted to work with him. No one has ever received a reception like that. Now take that and compare that to how they are going to receive uh, Joe Biden. I'm I'm going to guess that 
Coldly, yeah. I mean, if I may just take that just one step further, you know, in the Middle East, President Trump enjoyed so much respect that he was successful in establishing the Abraham Accords. Yeah. With, as, as you know, uh, tremendous speed between Israel, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, UAE, Morocco, Sudan, for the objective of peace, cooperation, you know, uh, constructive diplomacy. That was peace through strength. What's going to happen during Biden's visit is dominant mm-hmm. over Biden. Mm-hmm. That's all that's going to happen. I, I think you're right about this, and it's and it's a little sad for for someone like myself, someone like yourself, many in the audience, if not everyone in the audience, to see the United States take this hit as we go abroad or as we go on to the world stage. Because yeah, we were a leader, and now we're kind of not only a laughing stock; we seem to be increasingly, as I say, the kind of country we used to send aid to. We are now going to some of these countries, begging them for help. We're going to Saudi Arabia, begging the Saudis for help. This isn't right, Vera. What a what a complete shame. And and another perspective, Seth, if I may, uh, you may not see this, but but I experienced it. The nobility that the high the United States of America, yeah. the nobility that that title carries throughout the world. When I was a little girl, everybody knew that everything good and great and everything that lasts forever comes from America, yeah. whether it was a wrench or whether it was <laughs> a Maytag uh, yeah. a washing machine or a car. You know, in America, we prize uh, European labels for cars. Well, in, in Lebanon to this day and all throughout the Middle East, the revered uh, brands are Cadillac mm. and Lincoln. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That came with the title of the United States. And I'm very saddened to know that it has been desecrated and violated. You, you know, it's a funny thing. I was just thinking as you were talking, listening to you, Vera, you know, some people say, well, what might this have to do with offices running for state, uh, you know, people running for state legislature? It has a lot. You, you, you may get and you may have to step up on issues that come before you as a state legislator, especially when it comes to these boycott divestment of Israel kind of issues. You're not going to put up with that nonsense, I don't think, are you? Uh, no, I won't. And actually, uh, you know, as a state legislator, I mean, you know, we will participate. All of the incoming business that's coming from abroad, um, all of that needs to be negotiated. But knowing a culture and knowing our standing with them will allow us to formulate our negotiations in a much more effective way and, and much more with a scalpel rather than, you know, a sledgehammer. The knowledge of I get this all the time. Well, you know, you you have this worldview, but how does that affect our state? Well, having that worldview is allows us to know where we're headed. Yeah, and that's what allows for negotiation with a scalpel rather than a sledgehammer. It also allows you to call rot and BS out when you see it, because you have the background and the knowledge to do so. And, you know, that's a very precious commodity, a very rare one, which is one of the reasons I'm so delighted you're running and happy to uh, support you any way I can and encourage the audience 
to do the same. This fine woman, Vera Gibran, running for LD4 State House of Representatives. V-O-T-E-V-E-R-A dot com. VoteVera.com. I'm Seth Leibson. We will be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by the good people at Y-Refi. They are good people doing really well by doing good for others, and you can be part of that, too. I want you to check them out at investyrefi.com if you're interested in what they're offering, which is a really unique investment opportunity, a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm. And you can check them out, as I say, at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. Uh, got a lot coming up in the next hour. I'm going to do my monologue. It'll be on the uh, byplay between Josh Hawley and that Berkeley professor uh, that took place yesterday and that we covered a little bit of yesterday. And uh, then we're going to be joined by Mark Bauerline, Professor Bauerline, English scholar, on, uh, yeah, the use of uh, the use and misuse of language in these debates and what was going on there between the professor and the senator. Uh, So don't go away. Got a lot more coming up and we will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 